Hello, and welcome to The Block Explorer. I'm Colin Brightfield. Hey folks, I'm Cash Upton. The Block Explorer is here to educate and inspire you about the world of crypto and NFTs. We'll do deep dives into critical concepts for understanding what's happening and discuss the current events shaping the space. We're making this podcast for the curious, the free thinkers, and the change makers that propel us forward. As we embark on our adventures, remember that none of this is financial advice and crypto can be risky. In this episode, we explore how blockchain technology can promote the conservation of wildlife, specifically elephants, with Rex St. John of Proof of Elephant and also the organizer of the Refi Summit that recently happened in Seattle. What an amazing conversation we had with Rex. And he's super knowledgeable and also just a joy to talk to. Right, Cash? Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, just his his personality, his generosity, uh, his love of open source and giving, and, and really just you know trying to set the groundwork for other people to take off running. And I, and I think that's really uh, in line with you know what we love of out collaborating the competition. Out collaborate the competition is a motto of the Refi community, and Rex is a great example of that. So he put together this Refi Summit. It was a collection of a bunch of leaders, thought leaders, protocols, projects in the regenerative finance space. But then after that, he put together a manual of how to do your own Refi Summit, and he put that manual out in the internet for anyone to take and go create their own. So he, you know, in a true open source fashion, he's giving away the, the tooling so that the movement can continue to grow and spread. Yeah, and we need it more than ever. Uh, you know, we touched on it in the middle of the episode, but uh, elephants are uh, being poached like every 15 minutes an elephant is killed. So uh, it's it's really necessary that this work gets um, progressed. And the work that Rex is doing and, and what he's doing at Refi Summit is, is really just igniting a firestorm of ideas. And, and uh, it sounds like there's a, a big momentum uh, growing in the in the space. Yeah, I mean, it's really thinking about the bleeding edge of how we interact with the world around us and this idea of, you know, there's carbon credits and things like that and that are very popular in regenerative finance. But there's also this idea of natural capital that he's exploring with proof of elephant, like you said, because, I mean, what what is an elephant worth? We don't, we're not really sure, but it's definitely worth something, right? Because there's $12 billion that people spend every year to go to Africa to look at elephants in the wild. So, and that's, so there's, a, there's definitely a significant amount of, money being spent for the right to observe elephants. So there must be some value there. So how can we you know, align these incentives in using Web3 tools to promote conservation of these you know, valuable assets of natural capital of you know, different animals on earth? Yeah, really excited. Let's, let's dive in. Hi, Rex. Thanks for being on the Block Explorer with us today. We're delighted to have you. Thanks for inviting me. So for people that don't know much about regenerative finance, what is your go-to explanation for someone? I fell into it because what I saw is the opportunity to apply Web3 technology to solving interesting, compelling, and important real-world problems relating to the environment, sustainability, and climate. That's a nice, smooth uh, way to explain it. So, you know, the way that we look at it is that, you know, it's bringing in, you know, de- decentralized finance uh, tool sets, but with bringing in the intention of, you know, regeneration. In um, our experience, um, a lot of people get kind of caught up on like how that actually work- plays out. So, you know, what are some of the benefits of regenerative finance in your view and why should people care? 
I think when you look at what DeFi does and what Web3 allow you to do, fundamentally, it's a new way of organizing marketplaces and databases of assets that reflect, uh, you know, real world things that you might want to track. And where that starts getting really interesting is in markets such as carbon, where um, there might be a lot of different standards for how you track carbon offsets. And these standards are fragmented. There's different uh, qualities of carbon offsets. And there hasn't been a single canonical record of this is a single carbon offset. Like this has been used one time. And things like the blockchain enable for the first time uh, like federation of these kinds of marketplaces into a single canonical truth source. So you can you can actually begin to use them for the first time. And, and once you've tokenized these things and, and you're sure that they're uh, individualized, then you can innovate on top of those. And, and DeFi has, has created a number of new interfaces and tools and methods that, that let you, you know, visualize, explore, trade, swap, vest, stake, you know, um, kind of kind of put these things to use in, in ways that weren't possible before. So I, I think it's just uh, the confluence of, of, of different interesting innovations all at once. You were just at a pretty exciting event where it sounds like uh, people were putting these things to practice, right? You're at the ReFi Summit? Yeah. Um, so last year, uh, I was on Twitter and I, I saw that this regenerative finance movement seemed to be accelerating. I was, I was I started building this Twitter list of of people and groups and teams that were introducing new innovations, you know, like eco tokens and so on. And I found myself adding new people to this list almost every single day. And I, I realized that this was just accelerating, accelerating, accelerating. And it made me feel like we're about to enter a new phase of uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies where these impact-driven stories and sustainability stories uh, start to take the, the, the lead. And I think this represents a, a new culture that, that's kind of emerging in this space that we haven't seen before. Um, the ReFi Summit is something that we put together here in Seattle. I think it was two weeks ago now. And the goal was to try and, you know, because at the time, everybody had still been under COVID lockdown. And, and, and there, meanwhile, there'd been all this innovation under the surface. And I wanted to create a place where all these people could meet each other for the first time and, and share, you know, the true scope of, of what's, what's changing, what's happening. So that, that's why the, where the ReFi Summit came from. Awesome. And, and how did you first get into the blockchain space? Um, I, I think I'd, I'd been playing around with it for a long time. You know, I, I bought Bitcoin at $130 and then I, I sold it. <laughs> then I bought Ethereum at like $12, $12 or something. And then I sold that. So I, I, I guess I, I'd, I'd been quite skeptical uh, for the initial phases. Like, you know, I understood about smart contracts and things. And, and at the time with Ethereum, I just, I just didn't see how this was going to go anywhere anytime soon. So I sort of ignored it for a while. And then it wasn't until like maybe at the beginning of last year, uh, I started just finding myself using crypto more and more and more and almost like on a daily basis and and like uh, learning about staking and DeFi and like looking at all these interesting innovations like mirrored assets, like mirror token and mirror protocol. 
And once I started seeing uh, this wave of innovation, then I started really to believe that this has uh, reached a point of maturity where it was uh, something that I should probably quit my job to go work on. And that's exactly what I did. I, I resigned maybe three weeks ago from NVIDIA to work at Saga, uh, where, I, where I'm working now. All right. Congrats, my man. Jumping yeah. fully into the space. Yeah, it's, it's done. I did it. Nice. And what, what kind of work were you doing at NVIDIA? Uh, I, you know, I'd been an ecosystem manager and developer relations the last 15 years. And I'd been also a self-taught software engineer. I'd worked for five years building enterprise B2B and consumer apps for, you know, full stack, Ruby on Rails, Node.js, JavaScript, um, Android, iOS. And then after that, I'd been a technical evangelist at Intel Mashery. I was at Intel for several years and Intel uh, New Technology Group uh, evangelizing their embedded compute modules and in Intel Movidius. I worked at ARM building innovator programs. And then at NVIDIA, I was running the Jetson software ecosystem, working on aspects of the Jetson software ecosystem, especially cloud native and edge native and edge AI. Uh, so that's, that's the last thing I was doing. I think, I, I don't know if I'm going to go back to Silicon ever again after joining Web3. I think. You know, ten years of silicon was enough for me. Yeah, yeah we can feel that. Um, and, and what's your what's your new uh, position that you you moved into? What, um, can you tell us about Saga? Yeah, so Saga, um, the um, the focus is on how to build the next a thousand chains in the metaverse, and I think we're kind of thinking about it as a, a multiverse. Um, our our theory is that. We're, there's always going to need to be more blockchains uh, on a per application and per game basis. People are going to, you know, every time you spin up a simulation, you might want to have your own little economy for that game or for that application. Um, so we're invested in this application-specific blockchain world. Um, we announced seed financing. We raised last Thursday $6.5 million at $130 million valuation. And then we're going to be building infrastructure and tools to help anybody kind of spin up their own app, app or game-specific blockchain. Not fully relevant to refi. I think there's some crossover, but uh, yeah, refi. yeah. There's there's maybe some gamification of uh, refi, right? Um, well, sure. People are trying to gamify sustainability. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that's that, I'm glad you raised that. Um, I, I think that we're seeing a transition in the gaming market which is really interesting where like, you know, before gaming in the real world were, were separated, but now they're coming closer and closer together. Like there's this, this game I, I was talking to a couple of weeks ago called guardians of the earth. And what they've done is they've got a ton of people that go and take pictures of different animals outside with their mobile phone. And then they post it and then you can get a bounty for, for naming, like identifying specifically what that animal is. So they've identified a whole bunch of new species that like weren't even known to science. And uh, it's, it's kind of like this, you know, you could think of it as, as people are getting compensated to help build digital twins of, of local environments. And um, I think this, this concept of human oracles is going to be really interesting in the future is like paying people to make observations of their local environment and and to you know maybe maybe make local improvements uh is is just starting i, I can see a big potential for that yeah there's there's a lot of accountability that could be had there as well yeah 
Yeah. So you're, you're big in the refi space. So how would you describe, you know, you mentioned refi culture and that, you know, how that really attracted you. Uh, what is it about refi that um, sets it apart from other aspects of web three and what's the culture like in what in refi? I kind of had this very simple model of like, what's really interesting is that different blockchains clearly have different cultures. It's like they appeal to different people from different eras. So I'd say Bitcoin was, was very, you know, highly libertarian, you know, it's like who's speaking at the Bitcoin conference. It's Peter Thiel and uh sailor and, and guys like that. And it, they're, they're very, very different than who you find, like, you know, in Ethereum. <laughs> so Bitcoin is like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to describe them. Maybe they're like the the Vulcans, or no, not the Vulcans. They're like, um, maybe they're like the Klingons because they're, they're almost like, they're, they're driven by the desire for independence from government control as, as a big element. So it's almost like a rebellion from the financial system. And then the Ethereum people come along and I, 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 you know, I similar, I think they're kind of similar to the Vulcans where they're like, you know, introducing, you know, if you just look at Vitalik, it's like, you know, they're very philosophically driven. And then there's uh, the Cosmos ecosystem, which I, I don't know how you describe <laughs> Maybe we're more like the humans, I guess. Or like data. <laughs> or data. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so the culture in refi, it's, uh, I think it's characterized by uh, extreme optimism and positivity, <laughs> and and like I, you know, and and like um, I, I think that's that's what it, that's what I like about it. It's just like uh, the the media spent the last year last year like kind of tarnishing the blockchain space and Bitcoin as being bad for the environment, and then Refi came along, and the thing that uh, refi has shown with like Klima DAO and Toucan protocol is that actually this technology, which has been like tarnished by in the broader public, is actually actually provides some of the best solutions to the problems that Bitcoin was insulted with. You know, it's like actually the 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 way of tracking all these carbon offsets is highly broken, and actually like the the blockchain is an awfully good way to resolve and federate these different uh, ways of doing this into a single system that that is reliable. So I, I, I think that's just such a funny inversion. Uh, it's like the thing that with blockchain is most criti criticized for, it turns out to be, it's actually very good for solving that problem. The irony of that is not lost on us. <laughs> and we, that's part of our mission uh, <laughs> to uh, share that, that, that exact uh, flippening that's <laughs> happening there. Um, so you mentioned that's kind of one of the big kind of, um, misconceptions that refi is kind of uh, setting straight with with this movement what do you think are some of maybe the other misconceptions or um, things that people just don't quite really understand when it comes to regenerative finance refi uh i just like this whole space is very confusing because of the amount of innovation that's happening it's like even i'm like i've been watching it full time you know and i'm like even i'm lost i'm like i, I can't tell which of these projects are real and which one is just like a website somebody threw up and only time will tell on a lot of the, a lot of the cases uh so in terms of misconceptions you know um uh i think not everything is a ponzi scheme <laughs> you know obviously like some of the stuff is is probably not going to stick around but 
Um, I just think, uh, I, I think there's this desire to continually believe that the entire blockchain space is just going to go away and that it's all going to be discovered to be like a scam. And it's just, it's just not happening continually. Like no matter like how much you look at it and how many like projects go under the blockchain space, it just, just keeps going and going and going and like getting into new things. Uh, I saw somebody, somebody posted the other day, like, they they're buying pasta, and on the on the front of the pasta box it says like secured by the blockchain. <laughs> and when I saw that, I'm like, this is <laughs> this is not going away. I'm sorry, like it's it's been over a decade. It is just like continuing. So I, I think anybody that thinks that it's going to be banned or made illegal or that it's all, I, I think I think all that is just. Um, I think the incentive there's the reason it's it's taking off and and it's not going away is because. There's a set of like incentive structures here that are persistent. Like everybody wants to build in this space because they believe that the incentives are better than building somewhere else. And so far, despite all of the rockiness, uh, the incentive structure is still there. Like it's still you're still better incentivized to build here than somewhere else. And for that reason, it, it's not going to go away. And what would you say would be those exact incentives that are that are driving that shift? Um, I think the ability to kind of go public before launching something, you know, I think blockchain sort of inverts like everything about how builders build things. Before it's like, oh, you want to set up uh, some game or some startup or some application. Well, first you have to go try and raise funding and then you kickstart it and you do a bunch of demos and then like maybe you get some crowdfunding or some initial seed investment and you throw it up there and then like you, you start delivering uh, assets, like you start delivering um, to, to some timeline. And what I'm seeing now is that it's just totally inverted. It's like the Board Ape Yacht Club the first thing they do is sell NFT partial ownership of the future game that they're going to build, which they don't have yet. And, and it's like, you, you're, you're kind of like going public first. It's like, oh, we're first, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm going to build a metaverse. The first thing I'm going to do is IPO and sell shares. And then I'm going to use the money from IPOing to actually build it. And I actually, so it, it's just, blockchain just reverses. It allows you to pull forward all this uh, financing, and I think that's very powerful. Uh, if you're, if you really do have a great team and a great story and a great community, uh, so I, I think for that reason, um, that that, that that's why it's not going to go away anytime soon. It just allows this acceleration. Well, yeah, we were just seeing on um, you know fundraising for the show Stoner Cats, which was completely fundraised you know with the sale of NFTs, and then they created. Uh, a, sh a show that was completely, you know, free of studio control and had, you know, complete artistic, yeah. um, you know, ability. So, um, yeah, we, we saw it in the, you know, the more art world to start and then uh, these protocols being built too. So, uh, yeah, we really like that ability of, um, you know, the real world examples too. I love the pasta example that you said we um we're gonna have a guest on uh, in the next week or so that is partnered with the region network to verify their uh vegan pork alternative uh imlikesh and chai foods and they're gonna use the blockchain to verify regenerative agriculture practices in the growing of the product wow 
Well, we really like uh, collaboration. One of the things that is important in, in refi is collaboration and out collaborate the competition is a big motto of the space. So how are you thinking about collaboration as you're building your projects right now? Yeah, it's like, you know, the refi summit, like we put it together and, and like we raised funding from like 20 or 30 different sponsors. And then we offered an NFT ticket to like cover the rest of the expenses. And then after the event was done, I was kind of like, well, what are we going to do next? Um, maybe next year we'll have a bigger one. Um, so people asked me to put together a run book. And, and like my, my co-organizer, Tessa, told me this story about how in the PHP community, somebody did this really great meetup. And then they wrote a book about how to do it. And then they shared it. And then everybody around the world built these PHP communities because the one person had taken the time to like document and then that allowed everything to spread. So after uh, I was on this podcast with with Basin Dow, and they asked me to do it, so I wrote a like a hundred tweet thread about exactly how to do it. And then then I just want you know like like first I wrote like fifty tweets, and I'm like if anybody has any more questions, let me know. And then I just watch it, and like if people want more, then I added more, so I had another like fifty or something. And then people kept asking questions, so I wrote a template. In, in 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 sheets google sheets that lets you like build your own refi summit like it breaks everything down it lets you like how many people how much food does it cost how much per person and then it provides like you know here's some platforms and ideas about how you could organize it so i'm just like well i just open source it all that's my approach to collaboration and then maybe uh there could be you know everybody could organize their own refi summit and then like they could use all the best practices that we learned to do their own. And then, you know, obviously like in, in web two, you wouldn't do that. You'd be like, well, this is my summit. You know, I'm not going to teach you how to do this. And, and I, I was kind of like, you know what? Screw it. Like here. <laughs> Let me you teach you how to summit. <laughs> like, I'm like, this isn't mine. Like you go organize your own summits. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's, that's my, yeah. Like that's, it wasn't my intention to try and get rich organizing summits. Like I'm going to give it away. Yeah. Shout out to Basin Dow and Timo. We had uh, Timo on as a guest a few uh, months back. Anything uh, specific that, that you guys are collaborating on that you can share with our, our guests? Nope. <laughs> Ooh, we like that. Stay tuned folks. <laughs> yeah. So tell us more about the refi summit. So what are, what were some of the major themes that, that came up at the refi summit and what were the, some of the, um, core takeaways i think the biggest I and mean, the biggest topic number one topic is the, the carbon offsets by far and that's you know i think that's partially due to like the maturity curve of where that is as early as january this year the wall street journal did a uh an article about toucan protocol and klima and how they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars in, in volume of trading because their goal is to drive up the price of these these carbon assets to like create a, a more real market for it that where one didn't exist before. And uh, so that was like the lead topic. Like we, we put together this heavyweight carbon panel first thing between Greg Landau of region network and Renan, who's the CTO of Moss.Earth, And then Paul for the CEO of Nori located here in Seattle. And then, uh, ZG, I probably mangled that from Klima Dow. So they just had this like big uh, discussion about you know 
uh, that topic. And we're going to be releasing videos of all of this. Uh, I just saw the video of, of, of some of the keynotes and stuff. We're going to have high quality video of all that. So that was number one. Uh, I think it, I think natural capital is going to be a big one, like how to put living animals onto the blockchain, track them as NFTs, build index funds out of them, and then like maybe go so far as to use actuarial methods to allow you know my in my in my dream world, like Microsoft would have like you know index portfolios of elephants on their balance sheet, and then some percentage of their investment goes towards conservation because they want their asset to increase over time. So my my concept was to kind of merge this emerging world of, of IoT tracking and that. So I think natural capital is a big one. The other one is DAO communities and governance, how to set up and run uh, these communities. MRV is a big topic, which is measurement, reliability, verification. Like, how do you actually prove? Because there's been so much funding going into climate tech. And as we've learned, like the thing that you need to track is is carbon. And if that's broken, like what's all this venture capital doing flowing into climate tech? So uh, I think MRV is a big topic. Uh, and then we also had, you know, uh, putting the re in finance, like, like how regenerate regeneration is affecting the field of finance. Uh, so we had a panel on that. So those are the main topics for refi summit. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that re into finance a little bit more. Cause, um, I think it was uh, Dave Fortson was saying how yeah. it wasn't just ecological restoration and regeneration that needed to happen, but uh, community and social uh, regeneration too. So, was there any you know th- threads of that at the summit, or anything that you could you know say on that more than just the ecological regeneration? Yeah, um, I think the biggest like the book I really like is called Donut Economics, and they talk about how like whenever you're making. Uh, economic or asset allocation decisions you also have to view the environmental impact as part of the equation um i couldn't tell you exactly what that <laughs> you'll have to watch the video that will release of that panel because they they go into more details uh because i you know i was so busy running the event i didn't fully pay too much attention to it to be honest <laughs> yeah no we understand that and that's that's the beauty of a video right so you can rewatch it all later after the dust settles. When you're when you're organizing the event, it's hard to also enjoy the event. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about you. You mentioned natural capital and tracking animals and using that animals as assets. So you have a project called uh, Proof of Elephant, and what can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is just something that I came up with earlier in the year. So I've been like I have some friends that had done a number of projects so there's a group called smart parks out of i think it's the netherlands and they built these and they build these tracking collars that can go on elephants and 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 different animals and using LoRa, which is like a low energy iot protocol for long distance data transmission you can track these animals for a very long time uh, and they've been able to generate like maps of like where the elephants are in the parks, and they they also track other animals. So um, Microsoft here in Seattle has another project called I think it's Project Fifteen, uh, using Azure to track elephants. So there's a number of projects that are kind of doing like different aspects of this. And uh, when I learned about blockchain oracles, which basically allow you to feed real-world data sources into the block, into some software and then create singular records on the blockchain. 
uh, for me, that that was clearly the next stage. It's like, okay, we've got all this IoT data. We figured out the sensors. We figured out the cloud connectivity and the satellite. Well, now what's the next step? And the next step is uh, y- you create some sort of oracle to pool all those data. It could be tourists taking photos of their mobile phones or, or park ranger observations. And then you put that all into the Oracle, and then you can unlock developer innovation. You can unlock uh, index funds of herds of elephants or, or, or living fauna in, in a park. Um, I've got another colleague, former colleague from ARM, and he's he's built this project called Bear ID. And what they do is they put these camera traps out in the forest, and it's like a, a low-cost camera, and it will take pictures of uh, bears and they use TinyML, which is like AI on a microcontroller, to do facial recognitions and feature recognitions on these bears. So they can uniquely identify the bears. And, and all this technology, you know, this, is, this, this all exists. And when you merge it with this emerging blockchain technology uh, plus, plus DeFi, you, you start to be able to, for the first time, enable what I'm, you know, price discovery on these, on these living creatures. And you couldn't do that before, um, and, and 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 now that you can do that, then you start to wonder, like, well, well, now that we're able to say, like, how much is an elephant worth? How much is a, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you're not buying the elephant; you're it's an observation of the elephant. There's like uh, some of the data I, I looked at was twelve billion dollars of tourists go to African countries every year to observe the wildlife. They're not paying to buy the wildlife. They're not paying, you know, if they're not paying to get a piece of the elephant, they're paying for an observation of the elephant. So looking at the elephant has value. It, so what what if we built this marketplace where these these elephant observations have value? And that's kind of what Guardians of the Earth has done in some ways. I think it's it's viable and and uh I I I put this project together almost just as purely like um exercise and thought leadership like what if (laughs) what if you could do this what if you could put these tools together and microsoft could you know or some big company or like anybody in the retirement portfolio could heard uh hold an index fund of elephants um it's purely theoretical i'm like why would that ever go down in value it should only ever go up there's only scarcer natural resources over time and and uh maybe it's uh yeah, so th- that's what proof of elephant is. <laughs> it's out there. I realize. Yeah, we'll we'll give a link. Um, you had a great video uh, with Elephant Edge. You called yeah. it, and that was with yeah Project Fifteen and Smart Parks. Uh, really enjoyed watching that. And um, yeah, Project Fifteen every fifteen minutes, an elephant uh, is killed and poached. So on this call already, um, two elephants have died, and that's just um, really sobering. And so um, kudos to you, sir, for. Um, just doing that thought experiment and yeah, seeing what it would look like to, you know, incentivize that $12 billion industry into something more powerful. Yeah. Do you have any developments that are, you know, taking shape with it or is it still kind of in that thought stage? I was just going to tell people about it. And then uh, I actually got outreach from Chainlink, And um, I think uh, Chainlink in particular would be a great partner for this. Uh, they've recently hired somebody dedicated to doing uh, sustainability, and I just had a call with him like a week or two ago. So um, I don't know, you know, I don't know where this could lead. Uh, may, maybe like the minimum viable product was literally just 
like a reference design, like here's how it could work in a single park. Or you could pick a zoo that has some elephants and put them on the blockchain and then like build the end-to-end interface and then let tourists who go to that zoo and take pictures of those animals use TinyML to recognize them. So maybe some small experiment like that to, to show the concepts working. Uh, so I, I thought of a number of ways to like get it off the ground. I just haven't, I just haven't had any, any, any time or energy to, to work on it <laughs> with a, my, all my other activities that I'm having. Yeah, understandably. I, I didn't know you could do facial recognition for bears and elephants. That's really no, cool. It's a, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, it's magic. Yeah. You can really uh, uniquely identify these animals just with a, a picture and some AI. Yeah, and, and one thing that comes to mind is the Athena protocol. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, we talked to I talked to them. I think they came to refi summit. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, they they were on our show a few months back and yeah, doing internet of natural things and blockchain for you know verifying all all of those uh scans. So yeah, maybe there's some collaboration there. Yeah, I think there's a new market here and, and I haven't heard seen any analysts talking about it or anybody talking about it. And and like Moss.earth is sort of, you know, they started selling off tracks of rainforest as nfts and, and that by itself is like kind of cool it's like well you know i could buy a you know uh you could sort of figure out a way to do that before but the secondary element is they're adding of uh, the satellite verification so it's like every six days the satellite goes overhead and you can prove like not only did you buy the nft but it's still there and it's still green um so when you add in the iot and hardware technology to verify that the thing you're holding still exists uh, I think that's very powerful because it, it it's provable now that 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 fake metaverse asset you bought actually exists. You know that NFT of a bear, like it, maybe it really exists because you're able to get a picture of it once in a while. It's kind of like uh, you know people you can buy like stars, right? You know, but like you can't really. They tell you the coordinates or whatever in the sky, but yeah. you, you know you're not really getting the updates, and it's it doesn't seem as real, right? As something like this, where you actually can see the piece of land that's getting updated regularly through satellite verification. Yeah, I'm wondering with the leverage that the blockchain can offer, it, you know, if if locals could be taking the photos of the elephants and proving their existence, and then getting compensated for that instead of that that relationship that we hear of you know the the you know uh contention between locals and elephants because of the crops that they're eating and all that maybe there there could be some incentives for them to help with the the proof of elephant yeah and if if these kinds of things could be made into investable assets that are known to go up in value then like some portion could be uh put aside to pay human observers for taking observations and and pay rangers to to guard the elephants and things like that i mean it's um we're seeing all kinds of stuff like this happening in the dow space and you know maybe one day this kind of these kinds of approach could be applied elsewhere yeah i i, th- I love the idea of you know doing these experiments and it kind of have to you know it's all new right and that's one of the reasons i tell people that i'm attracted to working and building in this space and creating this space is because we're discovering and experimenting with new new technologies and it's not it's an unsolved problem right and so there's a lot of freedom and there's no like one right way to do things so it makes it very exciting so what do you think are some of the um challenges that are facing the refi space right now um i think that um i i think we're going to have to cuz i kind of wonder like part of the goal 
when I did Refi Summit was I wanted to get the existing sustainability institutions together with these Refi people to talk about like the crossovers. And I had a really hard time getting some of these existing institutions to show up and be interested. And I, I suspect or I think that maybe just Web3 and all this technology and innovation happening there might be so far ahead that there, there maybe isn't going to be uh, a clear bridge anytime soon between like the old world of sustainability and ESG and like this new world. So if that's the case, you know, uh, there's a lot of important, I think there's a lot of important infrastructure there, like all the relationships that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has or the UNICEF has and all the insights that they have about the real reality of solving uh, some of these problems and, and like why they aren't simple. Like that information doesn't have a good way to get communicated to the, the folks innovating in refi. So um, I don't know how to solve that. Like that, no, I was attempting to do refi summit to, we've got Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation here locally. So I was trying to get those two groups together. But uh, I, I don't think I I don't think I got I don't think I did what I, I Refi Summit worked to assemble the refi folks. I think that was effective. But getting the people that are like have the track record in the door to start looking at these new tools, I don't think I, I did that. Didn't work. <laughs> Maybe it worked. Yeah. It sounds like they need to be taking the green pill over at Microsoft. Um, yeah, maybe, um, and because a lot of these problems are extremely intractable. I don't think they're, they're going to be solved simply. Um, so we'll see, I guess. What does it mean to you to take the green pill? Um, I I think it's just, I, I don't know. It's different for everybody. Like when you start pulling, it's like you find some little thread and you start pulling on it and you're, you follow your curiosity and you're like, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And you're like, this is not ending. Like, why isn't this stopping? And there's something, there seems like there's something really subtle about like what the blockchain has done and what proof of stake has done and tokens and NFTs and observer. It's like, uh, it's just this entire universe. And like, just, just having joined Web3 full time, I'm seeing there's all these people that have never had any experience in the old <laughs> web two world at all like they've only been in this web three space ever and they just have totally different terminologies and methodologies and, and like language and and like culture and, and i had some i had some belief initially that you know web two and web three were going to come together but now i'm not so sure like if there's going to be you know like maybe web two is just the last stage of the rocket and what and like you either get into web three and get on board or or like it, it's going to be tough it's it's hard to navigate um so that's I, that's the green pill i mean it's it's like once you start looking at it you just can't like there's no end <laughs> i don't know why there's no end it's just this like fractal complexity thing it's like the more you look at it the more the deeper it goes it's the rabbit hole alice i like going down the the refi rabbit hole with with you guys when it comes to um you know, getting into refi, where you, where would you say are some of the, you know, if someone who wants to like start going, taking the green pill, what would you say are some of the ways to start? Like how, how what recommendations would you give them? Yeah. Like, see, I'm, I personally am not even like an expert in any of these climate or sustainability or ESG areas. Like my expertise is building communities and ecosystems. And, and like when I see an opportunity to create 
uh, an ecosystem, you know, like that's what that's what fascinated me to be able to, you know, to be the one that puts one of the early events together where all these people could meet each other for the first time. Uh, so in terms of actual experts at like climate and sustainability, I mean, it's Nori, it's it's uh, the Gitcoin guy, Awaki. He wrote the book, the Green Pill book. I got one right here. Uh, he signed my copy last week, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, Cash got his signed by Kevin at, at the permission list. <laughs> it's Klima, it's Regen Network. It's like all these people that are really doing it in applied scenarios. Uh, those are the ones. So I built this list on Twitter. It's called Refi Innovators. And there's like 250 people in there. Like probably a lot of those people are better, like in terms of like how to actually solve the problems and think about the problems. Um, there's a lot of, you know, genuine scientists in this space. Like each of these topics is huge. Like carbon is a huge, huge topic and a very, there's a, a lot of these topics are very technical too. So I don't have any of that background or, or any of that you know, history that these people have. So uh, maybe watch the videos of Refi Summit. We'll put out the videos of Refi Summit. You can watch those and uh, see the, see Greg Landau's keynote. And then here, here's some of the panels and maybe that, that'll be a good place to start too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Listen to some videos of Paul from Nori, Paul Gamble from Nori. Um, yeah, we love, we love all those, all those, uh, people in the space it is it is definitely like you said it's it's full of um inspiring and talented folks that are also you know really passionate and and great at also explaining the the technical aspects so we've been exploring a lot of um the idea of public goods with a lot of our guests so would you consider elephants a public good and how would you define public goods uh <laughs> um public good like so i one of the things I did for Refi Summit is I wrote this book about ecosystems called Orchards, Not Apples. And I've been doing ecosystems the last 10, 15 years at large scale at Intel ARM, NVIDIA, Mashery, et cetera. And I just kept noticing this trend of like, okay, the big monolithic corporate enterprise that has like thousands of people like I call them death stars and like, <laughs> wants to do something the way it works is it just kind of like takes whoever's lying around, organizes them into a 50 person team and they have to like warm up the laser and build the death star and turn the death star. And like, you know, that process takes three years. And then when they shoot the death laser, like Aldebaran has already moved like two inches to the left and they miss. So it's like, you know, when they hit it, it's great, but a lot of times they just miss by the time they've like spun up all this machinery. And meanwhile, like these companies that are more structured, like ecosystems, like they're heterogeneous, they're they they're fast moving and agile, and a lot of different smaller teams, like they always were able to outperform. Like, you know, one example is I was at Intel. And our internal team had this, like, we just had like 50 people lying around it from some like Nordic country. And we we're like, hey, we need this carrier board for the Intel Jewel. Can you guys go work on this? And like, they had to go check with legal and spin up a tiger team and meet three times a week and la da da. And like nine months later, by the time they finally built this thing, like uh, Intel already canceled all their, their platforms and it was like irrelevant. It just, it was just so slow. And meanwhile, like, I just took the, 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 
a one-page design that they're trying to build. And I took it to this partner at Gumsticks. And Gumsticks had built all this automated tooling for generating carrier boards. And they they did it in two weeks for like three grand. And I remember like I took this carrier board to the, the guy internally that was running the project. And I was like, hey, you don't need to have this 50-person team. We I did it already. And, and, and he like, oh my God, like he just ignored me. He's like, oh, that's great. And and like he never spoke to me ever again, and, and I'm like the Rebel Alliance always always wins, and that's what the public good, you know, the public good goods I think are that it's like if you get that uh, the most talented people in the ecosystem together to try and solve from some problem, you'll always get a better result. The self organized ecosystem will always get a better result than the centrally planned one, and you know my hope is that like in the future with the, the tokens and NFTs and blockchain, it's like that the power of that uh, hits a tipping point and starts to, you know, exceed the, this death star world we've been living in the last 20 years with fang companies, you know, maybe, maybe all these talented people are going to quit the fang companies and go work at the smaller teams and everything can move in the right direction faster. I don't know, that's that's not quite a quite an answer to your question. But. No, you actually, I I kind of like where you where you went with it because uh, the self organized uh, gets better results than the centrally planned um, is is something that we have been talking about with guests of, of how like public goods are you you can't necessarily centrally define a public good globally and uh, and locally people define public goods a lot differently than than nationally um, and like we keep going back to the 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 um, example of like a road through the rainforest might not be considered a public good to the locals who, you know, uh, appreciate those trees that get cut down to create the road. Whereas, you know, some big company wants to ship goods faster then that road's going to be great for them to get to market faster. But yeah, the, the locally um, organized, I think is, is a really interesting um, concept. Yeah. Cash. And then as it's like more decentralized, like, like he was saying is that you're able to have these more agile, um, and sensitive ways and feelers essentially to you know to feel out what what is the public goods in in each area in each local local area that does that uh, deserve the the resources right so it becomes way more um sensitive to the needs of of communities and and I I really like what you know where it's going too so Rex where you know you kind of hit on some ideas for the where the future like where the goals are of this of this space so what would you say like where is this space going the refi space and you know, where, where ideally, you know, what kind of um, trends do you want to see continue? Um, I think, yeah, I, I think the all the most interesting things are for me are coming at the intersection between IoT and Web three, because this whole concept of a digital twin that is really, uh, you know, because you're transporting some object back and forth from the metaverse. So there's a startup. Uh, I think it, I'm going to totally mango this. I, I I don't know if they're called Americana or something like that, but they announced and they've got a chip. It's like a, a chip that you slap on something and it builds it and it like instantly makes it into an NFT. I'm like, well, that's huge because if you've just got this, this chip, you can put on things, you could put that on an elephant, you could put it on a sneaker, you could put it on a tree. Uh, that, that allows this, bridging of, of one object from the real world into the metaverse on a one-to-one verifiable basis. So I think IoT is going to uh, play a major role in the future of refi because then you're going to be able to prove that, you know, this 
this carbon you've offset actually happened, you know, or this token you spent, so or, or this animal you conserved really exists. Uh, so I, I, that's what I'm most excited about, like how IoT and, and refi come together. Yeah, we're we're gonna keep pulling on that thread too. So let's uh, let's keep this um, conversation earmarked for the future too. As as we wrap it up, is there anything that that we didn't cover that you want to um, you know make sure our listeners know? And um, you know, how can we support the work you're doing? Um, yeah, like I, I said this earlier, you know, I I did refi summit, and and for me, the deliverable was like the template for how to run your own refi summit. Because if I give that away, then everybody can run one in their area and maybe do your own variations and that allows the movement to spread. So that was the first thing is like, go look at those templates in that tweet storm and that like, maybe some, maybe you'll find some inspiration there. Um, and then the second one is like, this is, I think, so this is slightly off topic, but it's related. So when I look at the world's most valuable markets, like the most valuable market is like the planet and its natural resources. That's worth like, I don't know, six, hundred trillion dollars it's like infinite you know because if there's no planet then we're all dead so there's we're zero and then after that it's like all the human capital and human resources and then below that is like you know like all of money on earth itself i think there's like a hundred trillion dollars and then below that i put democracy and the reason i put democracy there is because democracy has a 70 percent market share so of the hundred trillion dollars a year 70 trillion is the result of democratic countries. So if you can improve democracy, then you could improve the functioning of all the systems above it. You know, it's like the human capital and everything. So over the last 10 years, each successive presidential election has like, the amount of money spent has doubled. It's gone from like seven to 15 to almost 30 during the last one. And who knows what it's going to be next time. Will it be 30? Will it be 50? Will it be less? So I'm anticipating over the next two years that a lot more money is going to flow into this civics and democracy topic. And all these Dow tooling companies are going to suddenly get, you know, I think we're in an initial building phase, but I think they're going to get supercharged. Uh, There's a list of Dow tooling companies. So my ideal vision, like if I had more free time, is I would organize like a new civics and democracy summit to put all these Dow tooling and community tooling companies together with activists and policymakers for the first time using a similar format to refi summit. And cause I think going into the next election, I think this topic's just going to heat up. I think more funds will become available and more excitement and more desire for reform will increase, but I'm not seeing any, you know, like maybe there's people thinking that way. I just like, I think civics and democracy need a, a, a total reset and starting from the local level, and I think we need to build new ecosystems to let those, you know, new new builders come together with the with the people that are activists, I suppose. So I want that event. Like, what, where is that event? That's that's what I wish. Yes. Was. Yes. Uh, our our last guest before you was uh, Matt Pruitt from Radical Exchange. Yeah. And he's pulling on those exact same threads of you know yeah. giving the tools of democracy and and using blockchain to leverage a better democracy. So I want to refi summit like a two or three day event of the top hundred people because you I think you I think it's so early I think you could really change the world if you put that event together. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm <more> yes, <laughs> all right, more 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 awesome ideas to work on. I love it. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, yeah, I guess we're going to wrap up here. Is there anything else you wanted to share or any ways that um, our listeners can follow up with you and your, and your work? 
I'm just Rex St. John on Twitter. <laughs> like that's about it. Yeah, and we'll link to some of the uh, other resources that uh, you discussed as well in the show notes. Yeah, it's thanks so much awesome. for your time, Rex. Yeah, it's been it's been wonderful chatting with you. I really appreciate appreciate everything that you were talking about. Great, thanks. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a rating and a review. We'd like to give a big thank you to our friend Matthew Patrick Donner, who's responsible for the Block Explorer production, including our music, mixing, and editing. Thank you for exploring the world of blockchain with us. Crypto is changing the world. We're here to ensure that you're ready. Please subscribe to our podcast and do share it with any of your blockchain skeptical friends of existing sustainability institutions. Look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Cheers. Cheers.